Welcome to the Harvest House Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Our vision is to empower each person to know God, experience freedom, and discover their purpose to make a difference. Enjoy the message from this past Sunday. Well, all the staff is gone, all the elders are gone, so we get to have fun. (laughs) I'll be walking you through some things that are really, would be my life message. And it's all about revelation. There's a big difference between information and revelation. Um, I can give you information but I cannot give you revelation. And now, since we are, you know, kind of intimate here, if you, if any of you would be willing to move up a little closer, we, it's really hard to see you in the lights. And as I teach, what I'm really looking for, share, for the light to go on in your eyes. Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent. And I've revealed them to infants. So if you would like revelation, I can't give it to you. If you would like revelation, you just become like a little child, a little infant, and you just say, Lord Jesus, I really would like for you to give me revelation. So I can't give it. So you're going to ask the Lord right now if you would like that? Just ask him. I'm asking myself. Father, we're like a whole room full of little infants. And we really want you to reveal the things that are most on your heart to us in Christ. Amen. The evangelical church in America is really doing some great things. I mean, it's an amazing time to live when the church, the evangelical church at least, it's had revelation that it's Christ alone who died in your place, allows you to be born again and receive eternal life. That's not always been the case. My wife, Nan, and I grew up in churches that had doctrine, but no revelation. (laughs) And so we'd been married three years when somebody finally shared the good news with us and our lives were turned totally (laughs) right side up. But my sermon title is For Him or With Him. And in a lot of places where I'll, I'll be with Christians, if I say something like that, I'm just gonna get blank stares, like, what? For him or with him? What's, what's that? Uh, I've been a part of a local Bible study men's group. I'm not participating right now, but friends of mine lead it. There's a team of six that lead it. And if I were to say to him, to them, for him or with him, this group of six men, they would they'd say, I know exactly what you mean. But for the majority of the men in that, they would say, listen, I'm, I'm saved. I read my Bible. I go to church every Sunday. I, hey, I even tithe. 
because most of these men would say that, but if I said for him or with him, I'm gonna get blank stares. <clears throat> so that's what we wanna unpack here today. I have a friend of mine some 30 years ago preached a sermon for me in the Chapel Hill Church. <clears throat> and he said, there's only one Christian and he lives inside of you. That was a sermon. <laughs> you know, 30 some years and you remember a sermon? That's a sermon. There's only one Christian and he lives inside of you. And so I wanna to go to my main text here today that we're working out of, which is Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Think to yourself, Christ lives in you. And the life that I now live in the flesh or in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now, evangelical Christians, I mean, salvation and being born again, that's there, that's, that's in there. And those who know that part, they understand living for Christ. But what we're talking about here today, and that's good. We certainly wanna live for him. But it's even more powerful to live with him, to know that he is inside. So that's where we're going. So I'm just gonna put that on hold for one second. I hear all the time, I'm doing my best not to sin. And I'm asking, who's best? Christ or you? <laughs> Wayne Grudem is a good friend of mine. We went to seminary together, famous theologian. And he says this, faith is the exact opposite of depending on ourselves. Faith is the exact opposite of depending, trusting, trying to do it yourself. <clears throat> so depending on Christ who lives in us, depending on him every day as a lifestyle, that is not so much in the American church understanding. And I would certainly love to cure that, change that. Um, so I ask you this morning as we kind of just at the threshold here, ask yourself, where am I in this? Because if, if you're living for him, but you're not quite sure how living with him, with him inside, how that really works, then right now you can just tune in. He'll so gladly reveal it to you, right? <clears throat> so, you know, even Paul struggled with this. In fact, the more I read Paul, the more I see him learning, changing, growing. Sometimes you just think, Paul is just Paul. No, no. <laughs> Romans 7, even after this tremendous revelation of Christ, he's so grappling with how does this work? <laughs> and I remember I was pastoring my first church. <clears throat> if you can believe that, 47 years ago. 
And, and I was struggling. And I remember what, as, as the Spirit of God began to reveal this to me, it just like, oh my gosh. Oh, it's like night and day difference. <clears throat> so back to Galatians 2.20. You and I, we've been crucified with Christ. We died with him. We died to sin. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you. This is the gospel. <clears throat> but these are your everyday marching orders because Galatians 2.20 says, you died with Christ and he lives in you. That's past. But every day, the life I now live in the body or the flesh, I live relying upon Christ who's living in me. Faith in the Son of God. I'm relying on Christ. <clears throat> I was walking with a very mature Christian a couple of days ago. And he asked me, what does it mean to abide in Christ? Good question. It means that you are completely relying upon Christ who's living in you. And in uh, John 15, 5, Jesus says, he who abides in me, he who is trusting completely in me, he bears much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. What does he mean apart from me? It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It doesn't mean you should have a sincere believer in Christ alone. But apart from me means you're trying to make this work depending on you. Do I have lights on and eyes? Can we get that? Yeah, it's that, okay. You cannot produce love. You cannot produce peace. You cannot produce a pure heart. I don't care how hard you try. In fact, the harder you try, the, in your own strength, the more you're gonna find that apart from me, you can do nothing, right? See, <clears throat> only Christ can give me the grace to forgive, to love people who don't love me, who wanna hurt me. There's only one Christian, Christ, and he's living in you. Most of you have been around the block, meaning you've seen things happen in churches and among Christians that should not have happened. Sincere believers, people who are going to be in heaven. How does that happen? I don't think most people intend to hurt people. But trying to make the Christian life work in your own strength, a lot of stuff happens. <laughs> I found myself comforting just this week, a pastor of thousands who's just been totally devastated by the betrayal of key people who had been his best friends. People who are sincere. People who understand salvation, but they're living it on their own. And so when they do that, they open themselves. We, we, let me 
put myself in there. We open ourselves up to deception. Because the only power to, to make the Christian life work, we're supposed to love our enemies. <laughs> uh, that's got to be him in me because that's not going to be in me. It's above my pay grade. Years ago, my wife and I came to a place, probably <clears throat> some 35 years ago, of seeing stuff. <clears throat> in fact, this is where sometimes pastor's kids get really clobbered because they see, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> They're quick to point that out. <clears throat> we came to a place of saying, we will never ever be jaded because no matter what happens, we're going to forgive and we're going to love and we're going to live free. And, it's, and I was in a group of, pastors right here in this building a few years ago, all young pastors, and they turned to me, the old man, and they, they said, how did you, how did you make it? <laughs> because they were struggling. And I said, because Christ lives in me and gives me the ability, and believe me, it's his ability to forgive and love regardless. Nobody can take your freedom from you. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> this part is Christ living in you. Hold on to that. We're going to move into part two. So, all we have to do is abide in Christ and he produces all the fruit. End of story. All you have to do is abide in Christ and he does it all. You're going, whoa. <laughs> so, what's the problem here? Why would it be difficult to trust in him who's living in us? What's, what's going on? <laughs> Years ago, before many of you, your time, there was a comic strip with Pogo. And he's famous for this quote. He says, we've met the enemy and it is us. <laughs> so we've got the devil. He's an enemy for sure. But my first enemy is my self-life. My self-life. My self-life wants to do what it wants to do, when it wants to do, how it wants to do, and wants you to, to agree with me. That's my self-life. <clears throat> I feel like I'm right. You don't. I vindicate myself. Oh, thank you. Self-righteousness. We publish self-help books. Self cannot free you from self. That is going to take Christ in you. Having been crucified, you no longer living, Christ living in you, that's what it's going to take. Self-reliance is the opposite of faith. And my first inclination is going to be to trust in me. Christ in me is the only cure for that. I want to be in control. I want to call the shots. I want to make the decisions. And we even do this sometimes in Christian businesses or in Christian homes, like with planning finances or staffing or marketing or strategies. 
where people get their ideas and then they ask God, Christians, to, to bless it. It's not how it's supposed to work. It's got to originate from him. And, and so I would say there's so many positive things about the evangelical American church that I love. But waiting on God is not understood. Yeah. People say, well, do your best. That's all you can do. And I say, who's best? Who's best? Yours or Christ? I can rely on, on, I can rely on me and be for him but I can't rely on me and be with him. That's the distinction that we're trying to make here. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. He says, the son can do nothing of himself. He says, I can do nothing of myself. Those are three different verses. And what if I said to you, Jesus never did any works. You go, what? Jesus never did any works? He said, no. He says, it's the Father abiding in me does his works. And so all Jesus is, he came to model. And so his self-life wasn't contaminated with sin, whereas mine is. But he modeled abiding in his Father, and he's now saying, and I want you to abide in me. <laughs> Paul learned this. I like this. Paul says a number of times, I learned. He says, I learned to be content, <laughs> which always encourages me. Thank you, Paul. Thank you that you share, shared that kind of stuff with me. But Paul learned to count, consider, reckon, same words, his self-life to have been crucified with Christ. Something happened in the past, but I'm living in today. And the life I now live, I live by faith, by depending on him who loves me, lives inside of me. But I've got to reckon my self-life to have died with Christ. It is a faith proposition. When we do that, he releases his power and his grace. <clears throat> and so it goes back to Christ in me, the hope of glory. The only hope of glory. What do we mean by glory? It's becoming like him. The only hope of my becoming like Christ is that the only Christian, he's the only power. Now, let's review where we are because I've got one more step I want to take with you. Christ in you is the key. We said that. Abiding in Christ brings, he brings the fruit. And my problem is my self-life. Okay, we, are we good? All right. <clears throat> An unexpected revelation came to Paul. And I'm just blown away with Paul. He's in a very, very hard place. God has allowed him to go into paradise and see things he's not allowed to discuss. 
And as a result coming out of that experience, God has allowed some demonic pressure to come on him. I was just speaking to someone right before the service about that very thing, demonic encounter impression. Um, He wants God to get him out of the situation. Boy, I can identify with that. Father, if you love me, change the circumstances. And Jesus comes to Paul and he says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he tells why. Because power is released or manifested in weakness. Now, you you gotta be amazed at Paul with me here. He's just asked God to deliver from his circumstances and Jesus says, listen, my grace, my undeserved strength and power and help is gonna flow into you. And the reason for that is it's gonna flow into your weaknesses. And Paul immediately just, he gets it. He says, most gladly therefore, I would rather rejoice in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And the more I read that and say, Paul, you didn't even have a transition. He spoke it and you got revelation. And then he goes on to say, not only am I content with weaknesses, he says, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, <laughs> with difficulties and persecutions for Christ's sake. Why? Because when I'm weak, then I am strong. Okay, work with me here. <clears throat> My self life hates being weak and needy, inadequate, unable. (laughs) I think one of the worst sins I sometimes encounter is self-pity. It's like, dude, that is so weak. (laughs) If you're gonna sin, don't say no, don't go there. (laughs) That's a male talking. We spend our whole lives trying to be adequate. We we males, we understand growing up on the playground. You want me to be happy with my weaknesses and to be well content with being a needy, needy, needy guy? Who are you kidding? When we build houses, we don't put steel wire in the house because it's, even though it's strong, It resists. Copper is weak and allows the power to flow. God wants your weakness plugged into his power. That's why I I see Christians who say, God, make me strong. That's not how he works. You bring him your weakness, his power, his strength will, will, will flow through you, through your need. See, and that's where faith and depending on him, not yourself, comes in. So what are weaknesses? Are are weaknesses sin? No, they're not. But they're places where you're vulnerable to sin. So every one of us is wired in a certain way and you have strengths and you know that the flip side, weaknesses. 
For example, I'm a classic type A. See, I wanna be in control. Now, <laughs> type A's are not patient. But type A's who are living in Christ, Christ begins to come through. And you see another side, and that's what God wants to do in you. So your weakness is a tendency to self-reliance. It's not, oh, you're not, you haven't done it yet. God wants to be your security. God wants to be your approval. God wants to be your worth. But if we are not getting it met by trusting in Christ, then my self-life, because I have needs, you have needs, we're gonna reach out to meet these needs in the self, and it's gonna make a mess. So, if I'm trusting myself, I can become insecure, afraid, angry, resentful, impulsive, boastful, competitive, comparing, arrogant, pushy. That's just me. <laughs> you may have your own list. The moment I can own my neediness and use it to connect with Christ, his power flows. He always knows what to say. He always knows what to do. So here's, here's the, the dynamic. You're in a place in, it's not working well in your soul right now. You don't have peace right now. You're in, you're in turmoil. You're kind of, and right there in the middle of that, you go back with Paul and you say, I've been crucified with Christ. You begin to rely on him right when your feelings do not want that. I'm not telling you to ignore your feelings. I teach people how to process their emotions. I'm not, so I'm not saying don't know what you're feeling. I'm saying when you feel out of it, not in a good place, what do you do? Wait until you feel better? No, right then. Use your need to plug into Christ. If being needy makes you available to power, you are a winner, unless you don't have these weaknesses. Can you own your weaknesses? Can you own it? See, that's a part of humility. I've, re I've recently wrestled with two men who did me seriously wrong, especially one of them. And I've gone through this forgive, 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 forgive. I mean, I've been working on it. Forgiving. And I was prayer walking the other day and the, and the Lord just brought that verse. He says, Paul's word, I am well content with insults. He just, boom, spoke that to me. And then he said, he said, son, that's the door to freedom. Would you, would you walk through? <laughs> I said, yes, I will walk through. And I did walk through, back into peace. This is a way of living the life I now live. I'm living by dependence on Christ who lives in me. It's a way of living. <clears throat> um, this is a quote from C.S. Lewis. 
The Christian is in a different position from other people who are trying to be good. They hope by being good to please God if there is one. Or if they think there is not, at least they hope to deserve approval from good men. <laughs> I'm working with a group, that's just where they are. But the Christian thinks any good work he does comes from the Christ life inside him. He does not think God will love us because we're good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. <laughs> Just as the roof of a greenhouse does not attract the sun because it is bright, but becomes bright because the sun shines on it. <laughs> so where are we as we got to come to the end of my sharing with you? You know that the spirit of revelation is giving some, turning some lights on in, in us right now. You also know that this afternoon or tomorrow, you'll find yourself in your self life. I don't have to be a prophet to uh, prophesy that. And the question is, what are you gonna do then? You're a Christian, you're living for him. But he wants, yes, yes, yes. But what if we lived with him? And every time I realize, Jerry, you're just doing this yourself, which happens. I don't get condemned. He never, he never condemns me. He just brings a little light, a little Holy Spirit. See that attitude, son? Yeah, I do. What are you going to do? I've been crucified with Christ <laughs> and I no longer live. That's what Paul calls counting it, reckoning. There's a verse in Romans 6 when he says, do not let sin dwell in your members. But if you try to do that without the prior verse, I died with Christ. <laughs> Knowing that I died with Christ, I believe it says. Knowing, reckoning it, counting on it, we have a whole new way of living. And now when you see a fellow believer doing something that he or she should not be doing, rather than judge them, I just pray for them. Now there's a time as brotherly love when you go to somebody but you're gonna see stuff. That's part of being a community. Sometimes, if you're around me long enough, you'll see Jerry operating in his self-life. And maturity comes from recognizing that faster and faster, thank God, and getting back into Christ faster and faster. We sing this song here, only in Christ am I free. And so what I am is I'm a freedom addict. I wanna live with Father free. And I want you to live that way. Why? Just for your own freedom? That would be good enough. But you see, when, when we abide in Christ, when we trust in him alone, the Father's glorified. The Son, Jesus says, 
says, calls you by name and says, I paid for your freedom. And when you trust me, and when you don't, it's okay, I'll, I'll come get you, but come on, move back, move back, forgive, love, but trust me, trust me, I paid for this. And when you do that, oh, all the angels, all the angels begin their chorus. So maybe I could have the worship team come back. How shall we, how shall we conclude this? We're, we're, we're just brothers and sisters. We're on the journey. We're learning. Some of us are different places. In the first service, I was talking to a lady who just began her journey. She's trying to learn those early things. But it's the same things. So we just keep learning it better. And we're going to ask, I, I think there are prayer teams available. Is that right? We, we're not staffed here today like we normally are. All the pastors are gone. All the elders are gone. So do we have people to pray with? George, guys. Yeah, that'd be great. Love to have those who are able to do that. Some of you are gonna to want to pray with something, pray something that's come to you in this little sharing. The spirit of revelation has been here teaching us. Not me, the spirit. I never do this in the morning. It's really old school. Why don't we hold hands with somebody close to you? Because we're not walking alone. So just agree to let, that's good. That's good, guys. I like that. That's leadership right there. Why don't we invite the spirit of revelation to come and flow through us? Holy Spirit. Come, breathe that quickening <laughs> where the lights turn on. And really it becomes so simple. Christ came to live in you. In a sense, you're his reward for his suffering. <laughs> Spirit of God. Reveal Christ living in us. Reveal it. Let it explode inside that there's only one Christian and he lives in you. And we thank you. Should there be someone here today say, well, Jerry, I've really never heard any of this. <laughs> well, we'd love to talk to you. They had to instruct me, my, my wife. Father, <laughs> we just want to say thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To find out more about our ministry, visit hhcboone.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Harvest House Church Boone.